Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning to those who are in the United States, and good morning to those, to our neighbors up north, Canada, and around the world, based on the various time zones, I don't know if it's morning or afternoon, Shalom, in Hebrew that means peace. My name is Kennard. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. This program is for people who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Who don't think that repetition is boring. Who realize that you have to study the Bible repeatedly to understand it. The people that listen to this program, that really listen to this program, understand Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 7, that says, Remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father, and he will show thee, thy elders, and they will tell thee. So that tells you again the responsibilities of the elders. The elders' responsibilities is to tell and to teach the people God's truth. And I'm looking at the word study dictionary here about elders and what it says. And it states here, the group of men called elders in Israel were a powerful, influential group. They represented the nation from the time of the wilderness period and earlier. Of the 180 times the phrase is found, it occurs 34 times in Exodus when Israel was being formed into a people. There were traditionally 70 elders, and they ate and drank before the Lord with Moshe and Joshua on Mount Sinai. The older priests held special respect among the priests. The elders were equal to the judges in influence and regularly took part in making decisions. The elders of a city as a whole formed a major ruling group. For example, the elders of Jabez tried to locate help and negotiate it with the Ammonites who were besieging the city. But the elders could lead in evil as well as good, for the picture Ezekiel painted of them was devastating and incriminating. The elders had become corrupt and helped the people, help lead the people astray. Their counsel would fail. So that's good that we must always use Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Uh, whenever an elder or so-called elder is preaching, whether it's from a book, from, from a program like this, from any DVDs that you may buy or, or uh, videos, you need to always make sure that they're quoting from the scriptures. 
And a lot of people in this movement, well, let's put it this way, a significant bunch don't do that. They take their word, take everyone's word for it when they preach and say, well, he's he's a Torah teacher. He knows better than I uh, what uh, he's talking about. And, you know, God is an equal opportunity God in, in terms of education and in terms of uh, wanting to understand him. And so you need to understand that and you need to do your investigation, not that you have this attitude trying to find fault with everybody that's, that's teaching. You just want to make sure that what they're saying is in the Bible. Because one of the characteristics of the end time is, is that there's many deceivers. There's many deceivers in this world, in, in the end times. So let's let's understand that. And let's appreciate the Bible. And another thing that will help you understand that you shouldn't get upset, and I'm not saying you, but there's there's, uh, people that I've spoken to and people that I know, they seem to get upset that I preach the same scriptures or quote the same scriptures all the time or I do it more often than they would like. And this is my challenge to people that say those type of things. Uh, do you you have a favorite food, right? Do you get tired of that? Uh, your wife or your husband, I hope you don't get tired of them, but you're married to them, right? Obviously, you're not tired of them because if you were, you would separate from them, right? Uh, Etc. In other words, things that we really love, things that we really love, we don't get rid of. And we don't care how many times. We see that person or how many times we hear something or how many times we see something. We continue to embrace it. Well, the Lord is leading me to talk about the characteristics of the end time on this program. I have about, well, 45 minutes in the beginning, but uh, I have a little more time than I normally do or have. I usually have 30 minutes, but hopefully I can get what I want to speak to you about today because it's very, very, very important in this 21st century, which I believe uh, could be the um, the century that Yeshua comes back or Jesus comes back based on certain things that have happened and are happening. Anyway, turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 is in the context of, context of the coming of the anti-Messiah. And verse 5 is interesting because it says, Remember again, remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. So the importance of remembering is very important, particularly with Yah's people. In Matthew chapter 25, it prophesies of the virgins. The virgins, if you do a quick Bible study search, doing concordance is referring to believers. And it states that most believers will be asleep, the wise and the foolish. Now, why would the wise be asleep? Well, obviously, there's something wrong with the wise character. It's alluding to perhaps being arrogant or whatever, but there's something about the wise that's wrong that's making them be asleep, too. So, again, Yeshua stated in Luke chapter 17, and a lot of people just don't understand this, he said that the end times, the 21st century, and if we have to go to the 22nd century, uh, are... One of the main characteristics of the 21st century is that there's not that many people 
in this world that are truly righteous. What is righteousness? Uh, Psalm one nineteen one seventy two is is uh, has something to do with keeping the commandments. And Ezekiel chapter eighteen gives a description of a righteous man. Proverbs chapter thirty one, toward the latter part of it, gives an example of a righteous woman. It's right there in the Bible for anyone to see. And so, uh, the lack of righteousness in this world is sad. It really is. You know, I, I teach uh, in the uh, Columbus City School System as a substitute teacher now, and I see it all the time. I see how the kids are rebellious, and, 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 and they just, not all of them are rebellious, but it's enough of them to me, for me to talk about it on my show, you know, and it just confirms <laughs> what Timothy stated about the end times and how wicked, truly wicked these end times are. And it only concern, concern um, not concerns, well, it does concern, but also confirms Yeshua, what he said about these end times, that, that, that they would be similar to the days of Noah. Anyway, starting and continuing on with Second Thessalonians 2, 2, verse 5, it says, Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. Verse 6, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, And now you know that withholdeth that he might be revealed in this time. For the mystery of iniquity which means sin that you don't repent of, that you are fully aware of, and you just continue to do it, you don't care, does already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. That's alluding to uh, a spiritual force holding the devil. And in verse 7, it states that the devil won't be withheld anymore. He'll be allowed to, to use his power to deceive for those last three and a half years. Verse 8, which is the great tribulation, and then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit in his, of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his, coming, of his coming. This is certainly talking about Revelation 19. If we turn there here, And when it talks about the, the beast and the false prophet being thrown in the lake of fire. Revelation chapter 19. Verse 20. And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him and with deceived them that received the mark of the beast and them that worship his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And... To understand the context of this in verse 20 of Revelation 19, and the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which proceeded out of the, out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. So this is talking about when he comes back, how he's going to destroy the Anti Messiah and his prophet. So getting back to verse nine, even. Him whose coming is Second Thessalonians two verse nine. Even him whose coming is after the working of Hasatana the devil with all power and signs and lying wonders. So this individual will be appears to be possessed of the devil, and he'll have all power and signs and lying wonders of the devil. Verse ten, and I want you to notice this. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness, deceivableness is, is being tricky of unrighteousness in them that perish. And so there's people, as I'm speaking right now, that are perishing 
because they are being tricked. And why? Because they receive not the love of the truth. When people tell me, oh, all you do is say the same thing every week, which is a lie. I don't say the same thing every week. Oh, well, I listen to your program and, it's, you know, you say this and say that. You should say this or you should say that. You're not really showing the love of the truth. It's like you show the love for other things. You don't have a problem with repetition of that. To be the best basketball player in the world, Michael Jordan ought to know, at the time when he was playing, he was the best basketball player in the world. Repetition is very important to maintain that status. Well, to maintain a status of understanding the Bible, you have to love it. You have to to really practice and study it every day. And this is a warning for those who tell me and other Torah teachers, oh, they say the same thing over and over again. Uh, it says right here, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. So you better weed that attitude out of you. Start loving the Bible. Because if you love the Bible, you don't care what scriptures quote it. You're going to embrace it just like your favorite food. I like cherry pie. I'll never get tired of cherry pie. I love grapes. I'll never get tired of, of, of grapes. That's the same attitude you ought to have toward God's word. Verse 11, and for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. And so if you don't love the truth, it's not just receiving the truth, you have to love it. Because if you don't love it, you won't make it, according to what the Bible is saying here. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they might that they should believe a lie. Verse 12, that they all might be damned, and that's in the Bible, who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. What is the truth? What is the Bible definition of truth? Yes, and I'm going to say it over and over again. If you don't like it, go listen to someone else. Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 142. But listen to someone else that give you smooth things, things that appeal to your human nature, which is wicked. All of our human natures are wicked. Psalm 119, verse 142. Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy tor... The instructions, all is the instructions in this book, of these 66 books, is the truth. That is the truth. That is the truth, ladies and gentlemen. And you must learn how to embrace the truth and love the truth for you to make it in his kingdom. And stop having the attitude, oh, I heard this before. I heard this before Well, your favorite football game. Or team, do you get tired of looking at them? Uh, your favorite television program, do you get tired of that? You know, do you get tired of your favorite foods? Do you get tired of your husband and your wife? You shouldn't anyway. Do you ty- get tired of seeing your kids say the same things or make the same expressions? No, because you love them. Well, you have to love the Bible like that, gentlemen. You have to love the Bible that way. If you don't, you just will not make it in his kingdom. I just have to be totally honest with you about that. You just will not make it. You can't just make it just, oh, I have to obey. You have to want to obey, not just be forced to obey, ladies and gentlemen. Now, God will influence you mightily, mightily to obey him. But he wants you to just obey him because you love him, not because you're forced to obey him. And, you know, God will influence you mightily to do it. But that influence is designed to get you to appreciate him to appreciate him and love him because you know 
that you need to do the right thing. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 9. He has to spank adults. How do you spank adults? You don't spank them on their lap and spank them. They're going to laugh at you. This is how you spank adults. Isaiah 26, verse 9. With my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yes, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Unfortunately, that's the way the majority of human beings learn how to do right when there are judgments in the earth. All right. Let me briefly look at world events today. I may get to the Torah readings today. If I don't, I apologize, but I have an important topic that I must speak about today. Everyone is always concerned about the end times. End times, end times everywhere. End times, end times. You know, everyone wants to focus on that, and I will give you some information I spoke about Four years ago, I'm going to talk about it again. And hopefully this will, it's some new information. Everybody wants new this and new that. But what you need to do is inculcate this into your being and do further study on it as well. Anyway, let's go to coinxwatch.org. Excellent website. Keeps me up to date on what's going on in Jerusalem. Uh, the top news, cement for rebuilding Gaza diverted to terror tunnels. So you still have monkey business going on there with the Middle East. And then another headline, IAF, Gaza in response to rocket fire. Then Obama vows U.S. response to North Korean hacking attack on Sony. All right, so what I like about this website, it gives you information on what's going on in the Middle East and what's related to that around the world. Now, Zechariah 12, 13, and 14 reveals that the, the, the coming trouble, the Great Tribulation, will be triggered from Jerusalem, will affect the entire world, and then it will end at Jerusalem with the Messiah, all his angels, and all his saints landing on the Mount of Olives and taking rulership of the world. And that's another Bible study. So let's look at domestic news here real quickly, and then we're going to get into the topic of the Bible study today the economic collapse blog.com the economic collapse blog.com this is an excellent website that i recommend people uh go to because uh, he does a very good job of keeping you up to date with domestic news domestic meeting and in, uh, involving your country okay he states here that junk bonds are going to tell us where the stock market is heading in 2015 says do you want to know if the stock market is going to crash next year just keep an eye on junk bonds prior to the horrific collapse of stocks in 2008 high yield debt collapse first and as you will see below, high-yield debt is starting to crash again. The primary reason for this is the price of oil. The energy sector accounts for approximately 15 to 20 percent of the entire junk bond market. The energy sector, let me repeat this again, accounts for approximately 15 to 20 percent of the entire junk bond market, and those energy bonds are taking a tremendous beating right now. This panic in energy bonds is infecting the broader high-yield debt market, and investors have been pulling money 
out at a frightening pace. And as I have written about previously, almost every single time junk bonds decline substantially, stocks end up filing suit. So don't be fooled by the fact that some comforting words from Janet Yellen called the stock market to jump over the past couple of days. If you want to know where the stock market is headed or heading in 2015, keep a close eye on the market for high-yield debt. So that's very important to understand that, ladies and gentlemen, um, based on Investopedia, a junk bond is a term for a high-yield or non-investment-grade bond. All right, so it says here that junk bonds are risky investments but have a speculative appeal because they offer much higher yields and safer bonds. It says companies that issue junk bonds typically have less than stellar credit credit ratings, and investors demand these higher yields as a compensation for the risk of investing in, in them. A junk bond issued from a company that manages to turn its performance around for the better and has its credit rating upgraded would generally have a substantial price appreciation. All right, so that's what a junk bond is if you ever wondered what it is. Another headline here says, There is hope and understanding that a great economic collapse is coming. All right. It says right here, If you are about to take a final exam, would you have more hope or more fear if you didn't understand any of the questions and you had not prepared for the test at all? I think that virtually all of us have had dreams where we show up for an exam that we have not studied for. Those dreams can be pretty terrifying. And of course, if you are ever in a situation in real life, you probably did very, very poorly on that test. The reason I have brought is to make a point. My point is that there is hope in understanding what is ahead of us all. And there is hope in getting prepared. Since I started the economic collapse ball back in 2009, which is interesting, he started this after the economic collapse in 2008, uh, which occurred uh, September uh, right before right before the the Feast of Trumpets, uh, Yom Teruah, on the Jewish calendar, which is pretty interesting. Uh, Elul 29, Elul is the um, Jewish uh, month, the sixth month. So the last day of the sixth month, the uh, stock market crashed back in in, in around September 2008. But anyway, uh, that frustrates me because what I am actually doing is the exact opposite of that when a hurricane is approaching, it is spreading fear to tell people to board up the windows. When a hurricane is approaching, is it spreading fear to tell people to board up the windows? Of course not. In fact, you might save someone's life. Or if you were walking down the street one day and you saw someone that wasn't looking and was about to step out into the road in front of a bus, what would the rational thing to be? What would what would the rational thing to do be? Anyone that has any sense of compassion would yell out and warn that other person to stay back. Yes, that other individual may be startled for a moment, but in the end, you will be thanked warmly for saving that person from major injury or worse. Well, as a nation, we are about to be slammed by the hardest times that any of us have care about those around us. We should sound the alarm. And that's what I try to do on this program each and every week, is sound the alarm and give uh, sound teachings to try to wake you up. Because not only are believers asleep, most of them, and certainly the entire world is asleep. They don't understand what's about to occur. That's why Yeshua stated in Luke chapter 21, in verse 34, as a snare shall it come on all those on the face of the earth. Most people will be surprised at these things. They will be in shock, and some will have heart attacks and die, according to the Bible prophecies. And so let's not be fools. Let's 
let's be prepared for these things that are about to occur, ladies and gentlemen. I know you've probably heard this from false prophets all throughout history, but there are certain characteristics that we must look at today that will tell you that we are certainly living in the end times. Proverbs 22, verse 3, plainly states that prudent man foresees the evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. So let's not be simple, ladies and gentlemen. Let's use our common sense here. And I've been persecuted for saying that, but I, can, I don't care. We've got to start using our common sense. If we don't use our common sense, then we're not going to be able to understand the Bible, and we won't even understand our own lives and, and how we need to prepare all right. What are the characteristics of the last days? Second Timothy chapter three, verse one. Second Timothy chapter three, verse one. I want to read this in a um, 1965 Bible and Basic English version for you to understand this clearly. It says, "But be certain of this: that in the last times of trouble, that in the last days times of trouble will come." Verse 2, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, lifted in pride. One of the first things that Timothy talks about is that men will be lovers of self. It's, it's all about me. Just like Yeshua stated that the days of Noah, similarly, people, all they thought about was themselves because every thought in their mind was wicked. And if, if all you're thinking about is yourself, that's certainly wickedness. Lovers of money. Money is the most important thing. And you know, I, I sense that. I've told people that it's like it's all about money, and it is, because people don't even seem to respect you. Even people in your own family don't really respect you unless you're making money. It's like the more money you make is a gauge toward how much they'll respect you. And that's and that's unfortunate, but that's the way it is in the world today. Uplifted in pride, given to bitter words, going against the authority of their fathers. I see that in the school systems uh, when I teach uh, for the Columbus City Schools. I see how rebellious these kids really are. They don't care about authority. Never giving praise. Not all of them, but a good bunch of them. Never give, giving praise. Having no religion. Without natural love. Bitter haters. Saying evil of others. It's, it's, you know, that's, that's slandering people. Violent and uncontrolled. Hating all good. False to their friends. Acting without thought. Lifted up in mind. Loving pleasure more than God. This is a perfect description of the 21st century, ladies and gentlemen, and our, and our country, unfortunately, the United States. Having a form of religion, but turning their backs on the power of it, go not with these. Go not with these. For these are they who go secretly into houses, making prisoners of foolish women, weighted down with sin, turning, turned from the way by their evil desires. And your evil desires can turn you from the way of God, ladies and gentlemen. Verse 7. Ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of what is true. And this is what people... They persecute me and other people, the few people on the earth that are or that that truly are teaching the truth, and they get tired of it. But they want to learn about this new truth. Or they want to learn about something new all the time, and yet they don't want to focus on what has already been written and master that. But anyway, ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of what is true. That's a prophecy of the end times. Verse 8, and as James and Jambres went after Moses, or Moses, so do those against what is true. Men of evil minds who tested by faith are seen to be false. Now what did James and Jambres do? Well they they, they said, hmm, Moses. Moses uh has his miracle. Well we could do the same thing to Moses did. 
Well, here's a commentary by John Gill about this. These were not Jews who rose up and opposed Moses as Dathan and Abraham did, as some have thought, but Egyptian magicians, the chief of those that Pharaoh sent for when Moses and Aaron came before him and wrought miracles and who did in like manner by their enchantments. Targum of Jonathan. Targum was the Aramaic uh, Bible that was written when uh, it all was influenced by the captivity in 586 B.C. when the Jews were taken into captivity. They started learning and acquiring the Babylonian language at that time, which was Aramaic. And Pharaoh calls the wise men and the magicians, Janus and Jambres, the magicians of the Egyptians, and so did by the enchantments of their divinations. So, that's what they did there. And um, they tried to imitate Moses. And we have people today that try to imitate God's uh, prophets and, and God's people that are Torah teachers. Not to say that all Torah teachers are prophets, but but some are. And... and uh, they don't appreciate what they say. They don't appreciate uh, what they do. And they criticize them instead of shutting up, humbling themselves, and listening. And stop. And, and, and a lot of these, these believers, um, they hear about a Torah teacher. God puts it on their mind to contact this individual. And I don't think they understand that when God does that, he's telling you that that particular individual is your teacher your Bible teacher, and you should highly respect that individual and stop criticizing that individual and trying to tell that individual how to do his job. Now, of course, uh, none of us are perfect yet, and we make mistakes. And if you draw that to the Torah teacher's attention, that's okay. But to be consistently criticizing that individual, you're criticizing God. You're, you're actually saying that God doesn't know what he's doing. And you need to cut that out. So that's just a warning to people who listen to me or to anyone that's preaching the truth because I'm not the only one that's preaching the truth, although I suspect it's not too many that is truly preaching the truth. All right. Um, let's talk about Tourette's and Bible study that I did. Um, I did this back in 2010. And I did a program on this, but uh, this is an update. And if you just type in last days in the King James Version, um, you will find that phrase, the last days. If you just type that in the King James Version, the exact phrase, come up with uh, eight verses that has that particular day, that phrase there. Now, Hebraically, that means the days for the coming of the Messiah. Hebraically, that phrase means the days before the coming of the Messiah. Uh, the phrase is located in two verses that are almost exactly the same in two different books. And so basically, as far as the subject matter, what this phrase is located is talking about seven main subjects that's focusing on the last days. And so that, those are the characteristics of the last days, biblically, when you do a search on it. Now, I'm going to go over them briefly. And if anyone listens to me on Messianic Lamb Radio, uh, you can do a, a Google search on that. I have an hour program there, and I can go into further detail on that program about what I'm going to talk about today. All right, I know there's been some uh, 
recent awareness about the Shemitah year, and I'm going to hopefully cover that in next week's program. If not, uh, I mean, not next week's, but um, the... Um, well, actually, I'll tell you what. The next program that I'm going to do is going to be on the Shemitah year. I'm, I'm going to... Because I need to talk about that. And I, I think there's been some... matter of fact, there has been some confu- confusion about how to keep the Shemitah year. And I'm going to go by the Bible. I'm not going to go by using the uh, Saad interpretation, which has its roots in Kabbalah. Uh, I'm going to go by what the Bible says about what God says the Shemitah year is, ladies and gentlemen. But anyway, all right, let's understand the characteristics of the end times, ladies and gentlemen, what God says uh, these last days indicate based on a simple search, concordant search. All right, the phrase last days, as I stated, it's mentioned in the context of seven subjects that are mentioned in the King James Version of the Bible. The first subject is the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob of Israel, God changed his name to Israel, gathered all of his sons together to tell them what their distant future would be as tribes. This is found in Genesis chapter 49. And so, look, please listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. You need to listen to what I'm saying. All right? <laughs> Go to gridam.org, www.b as in boy, org. Study that website. He has scriptural proof and evidence of who the 12 tribes are today. It's very important for you to understand who the 12 tribes are today. In Revelation chapter 7, the 12 tribes will be gathered again in the end times. That's how important for you to understand who the 12 tribes of Israel is. I've stated many times on this program, or are, that the 12 tribes geographically consist today of the United States, the British Commonwealth of Nations, which includes Canada, the countries in Northwestern Europe, Australia, North Africa, New Zealand, and anyone who believes that Yeshua is the Messiah and grasps himself into the Commonwealth of Israel. That's certainly... Um, an individual that would be a part of the 12 tribes of Israel. The second subject is the Temple of God, which currently is the, te- is, is the Temple Mount on Mor- Moriah in Jerusalem. This is found in Isaiah chapter 2 and Micah 4 verse 1. So these are talking about the same things. It's, uh, the verses are almost exactly alike. Uh, Isaiah 2 verse 2 and Micah 4 verse 1. The third subject is the Holy Spirit being poured on all flesh. Now, this began in Acts 2, verse 17. Really, the last days began at that time, but we're talking about uh, certainly what is going to be prevalent in the 21st century, and if God chooses to do so, the 22nd century. So I certainly don't see a 23rd century. <laughs> so, But the second subject is the temple of God, and, and many people have, have taught incorrectly that there will not be a temple built in these end times. And there will be a temple built in these end times based on Yeshua's warning that has everything to do with Hanukkah and uh, Matthew 24, verse 15. Let's turn there. Matthew 24, verse 15. It states plainly in this scripture. It says, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, what is that? You have to go back to Daniel, as he stated. 
spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. And you do a search of the holy place, it's always referring to a built structure. So he's telling you that there will be a built structure in the end times. That's the significance of the temple. Uh, go to the templeinstitute.org, templeinstitute.org, and you'll see that this prophecy is being fulfilled right before your eyes, that there will be a third temple before the coming of the Messiah. The third subject is the Holy Spirit being poured out on all flesh, and that began in Acts 2, verse 17, but the fulfillment of that certainly will be in the end time with the coming of the Messiah, and he will pour out his Spirit among all flesh. The fourth subject is perilous or dangerous times. This outlines the evil behaviors of mankind that are present in these dangerous times. And I just read this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1 and ending in verse 9. And so perilous and dangerous times. We are certainly living in those times today. The fifth subject is Jesus speaking to his servants. This is found in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. Have in these last days, the days before the coming of the Messiah, spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom he also made the world. So this is important. In verse 1 it says, God, who at various times, and uh, sundry times in various manners, spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. And he speaks to us by his Son now during these end times. And he can speak to you, say words to you through the Holy Spirit. But he, of course he speaks to you, Certainly through the Bible as well, because the Bible is the Word of God. The Word of God is certainly Yeshua. Revelation 19 reveals to you that Yeshua is the Word of God. So he speaks to you by his Son through his words as well. And we need to pay attention to those words. The sixth subject is economic inequality and instability. It is about rich people in this world storing up wealth for the last days that their riches would be corrupted, that they would not pay fair wages. This is found in James chapter 5, verse 1 to 3. The seventh subject is people doubting that Jesus or Yeshua is coming back to rule this earth. This is found in Second Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 14, as Yeshua prophesied in Luke 18, verse 8. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth, and that's lacking. People are saying, where is the time of his coming? Things go the way they are, and, and that's why people will have their head in the sand when these things occur, because they doubt the prophecies of the Bible. So, to summarize, the characteristics of the last days involve all the 12 tribes of Israel, the temple of God, the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit, perilous or dangerous times, Yeshua speaking to his servants. The book of Revelation, the first chapter, says that he reveals to his servants things that must shortly come to pass. That's in the context of the last days. Economic inequality and instability. People doubting that Christ would come back to earth. Those are the characteristics of the last days that we are currently all experiencing today, which proves without a shadow of a doubt that we are living in the last days, ladies and gentlemen. We are living in the last days. And so, things that we need to focus on, ladies and gentlemen, we need to embrace and understand. And we all have to be careful to have this type of attitude in Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3, 
verses 1 to 4. It says, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Here we go again. Remembrance. Remember, that means something is repeated. You have to remember something, and to remember something, you're going back to something that you have learned. It's nothing wrong with repetition. Verse 2, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets. That's why there's Torah readings every year. They go back to the same old verses all the time, right? And of the commandment of us, the apostles and the Lord and Savior, verse 3, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, verse 4, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. And so, let's understand, folks, God is not a liar, and prophecies will be fulfilled. You are living, certainly, in the end-time generation. A, a book that I'm reading right now, The Mystery of the Shemitah, I recommend everyone read that book. There's some good information in that book. And I touched on some things um, that's mentioned in the book, although the way he's describing 777, I described it a little differently. Um, on Elu 29, which is the last day of the sixth month in the Jewish calendar, in 2001 and 2008, we, we had a stock market crash. Well, the way I understood that 777 to be, uh, that was a stock market crash in 2008, I interpreted that, that that was a message from God telling us that his judgments are initiated, well, are in the process of being initiated or was initiated. Now, remember, in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, there's seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven plagues. I truly believe that the Bible is indicating that we are certainly in the third seal right now. And the third seal certainly is talking about economic instability and also inequality. So that's where we're at prophetically right now. With that, I will talk about this more in the next program. But with that, shalom, peace, and may God bless you and keep you. I will list the traditional Jewish Bible readings for next week in the description of next week's program. Shalom, peace. Malachi chapter 4 For behold... The day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.